What's up, y'all? Welcome back to another episode of Jump Cut. It's your boy, Leander. And it's me, Hashem. And uh, today we're going to be talking about movies uh, with no authority on them and talking mad shit about the classics and really trying to get as many people angry as possible. This you episode, know, probably. We, uh, we are in the, the business of hot takes. The angrier you guys are, the better we did our jobs. Exactly. That's how, that's how we keep ratings up. That's how we keep the attention there. We really just try and pick out all the classics and then find reasons to shit on them and say that we could do it better having never existed in the 80s. Next so... week, Citizen Kane. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, so this episode, I hope you've seen the classic 1982 Blade Runner. Except 82? we didn't watch... Yeah, 1982. What did one did a, did one of the versions come out eight eighty nine? Uh, probably like the director's cut, the actual one that we watched or I assumed we watched together. We didn't watch it together, but like I watched the final cut, and yeah. that one came out in two thousand seven. That one's yeah. a pretty recent one. Yeah. Yeah. So we okay. watched the we watched the final cut, but I did look up all the differences, and I know them about the different versions, like the theatrical version, the director's cut, the final cut. Those are the major ones. So. Yeah, we're going to be talking about all of that, so hopefully you've seen Blade Runner. Yeah, and if you haven't, I think you should. It is very good, in my opinion. It, Yeah, it's a good movie. Uh, <laughs> I definitely think you should see it, just because it's like one of the popular ones, one of those iconic ones. So you want to get the references. You don't want to be a loser and not understand them, right? It's also like, if you're a fan of, of cyberpunk, like this is the movie that basically pioneered that genre. Am I wrong? This is that Godfather that? type shit. No, you're right. You're right. Yeah. Like this is the original, the OG. Yeah. Yeah. So and, a lot and, of the and, tropes... and it's it's really good. It is really good. Uh, I didn't know this movie was based on a book. I'm not gonna lie. I didn't. I didn't read the book, so I hope. Neither I hope did you I. Didn't either. I don't want to. I think it, the uncultured. title is just really funny. It's called "Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep," which is hilarious. Oh. See, I always knew that phrase, but I didn't know that it, that was the title of the book. Because I, I feel like I've heard that phrase before, but yeah. Like we're going to talk about dreams bro. later on. We're here, and we <laughs> only talk about movies. If I can't experience something with my fucking eyes... Wait. Mm-hmm. Wait, wait, no. You read with your eyes. What am I trying to say? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're right. You're right. Books aren't eyes. Books aren't eyes. Movies are eyes. Books are kind of like... But like movies, movies are really like the ideal way of experiencing things with your eyes because borderline text should just be heard, you know, like audio <laughs> form, maybe like podcast form. You don't need to hear. You don't need to see it. Right. OK. Uh, so, po- audio podcasts are the best way to go is what I'm trying to say. Um, for wait, spoken wait, before word. I forget. So you're saying you should never use your eyes to read, correct? No, 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 no. Podcasts for everything. There's a podcast okay. for everything nowadays. OK, so. I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Film reviews, um, whatever technology. Types of podcasts. If you go to school games. and you open your textbook, you're a fucking loser. Absolutely. You know why? You should watch podcast. the textbook version of the movie. Yeah. You, no, no, you should. Wa- wait, what? <laughs> the the textbook, the movie version of a textbook. That's what I meant to say. You should watch, watch Goodwill Hunting. Based, yeah, literally, just watch Goodwill Hunting, <laughs> and you're good to go. Yeah, and if you need more, then listen to the podcast version of Review of Goodwill Hunting, perhaps on this same feed that you're listening to this on. It's true. We did, then, in I fact, mean, do Goodwill Hunting. Yeah, movies You know, movies taught me more than school ever could. That's all I'm going to say. You know, I, I live life a quarter mile at a time. 
Ayurveda, All right. Man. So we should uh, talk about ourselves I've for been... a bit. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So um, sort of tangentially related to movies, I've been watching a lot in the past few weeks, just mm. mainly whatever's on Netflix and stuff. But okay. holy shit, I am really into this Fear Street series that's going on right now. Yeah. And nobody's the, the there movies? with me. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Okay. I put the first one on my but, list and I never got around to watching it, if I'm being honest. See, the thing is, though, is that it's like a thing now. And that's why I want people to get into it, because it released they released Fear Street 1998 or 1994 or whatever it is um, on one Friday. And then the Friday after that, they released the next one. And then the Friday after that, this upcoming one, they're going to release the third and final one of the series. And wait, so it's wait. like if you're experiencing it now, you get to like be in on the hype and see the Reddit threads and see all the theories and shit. Oh, and it's exciting. OK, OK, OK. Mm hmm. They're directly related to one another, and I find the overarching plot really interesting, even if the movies themselves are just kind of horror flicks. Like, okay. the plot that drives the three of them together is really interesting. And even the way they've presented, at the end of every movie, they show the trailer for the next one, so you have an idea of what to expect. Okay. And I am so excited for the Fear Street 1666. It's going to be, like, way different and way exciting. I don't know. I'm just really, I'm stoked. That's so all. So... Are these the ones that are by R.L. Stein? Like Yes. Goosebumps okay. Man. <laughs> yeah, Goosebumps Man. That's I didn't know about right this, there, bro. Apparently Goosebumps is just like kind of I never read any as a kid, but they're I supposed did. to be scary stories for kids. Yeah. Right? And so Fear Street is supposed to be the teen version of that, and they decided to make it this Netflix anthology, so, which I'm very excited about. Do you about. do you classify yourself as a teen? <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty much I'm pretty much a teen after watching these. I mean, they're 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 all about teenagers. They're literally about high school age kids, <laughs> both yeah. of them. I but know one of the girls from I, uh, Stranger Things is in it. So, yeah, in the second one, yeah, yeah. But honestly, like as much as the acting is kind of like hit or miss sometimes, and my God, is the OST terrible? Like they literally <laughs> got fucking the worst. Like I I can't. I've never not. I've never noticed it before in a movie when the soundtrack is bad. But like. They got this weird Scooby-Doo era shit for, like, modern horror, and it doesn't meld. It doesn't work together. There's, like, trumpets and harmonicas and whatever, and it doesn't work. I hated it. Um, but the plot itself is actually interesting. I'm, I'm kind of into, I don't know. I, I like horror, fair. so I'm kind of easy to please. And this feels like the first time, at least in recent history, that horror's been given, like, a stage Sort of like these clearly have funding and care put behind them, and it feels like this event. I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to think of. A, That's all. I'm trying to think of of a horror movie, like in recent years. You know like there saying? are good ones. Like Conjuring's always got a high budget behind it. Paranormal Activities were pretty good for when they were coming out. And yeah, like, but I'm uh, saying like like the last thing I could think of, um, or the most recent thing I should say is probably the insidious series where it was like hella that's hype true. you know and those that's, feel like that's, forever that's ago yeah yeah but the thing is with insidious though is that like it's th they were released far apart from one another and okay. never really melded together as much as they kind of like I, I would say conjuring did a much better job than insidious of connecting the through lines between them because you'd have things mentioned in an earlier movie <laughs> 
<laughs> this is my moment to talk about horror, but you'd have things mentioned in Conjuring 1 that came up in Conjuring 2. And then there's like the whole spinoff Annabelle and Animal got a sequel. Like all that's very cool and cascades on one another. And that feels like what Fear Street's doing, except Fear Street is doing back to back week after week, which is really, really exciting for me at least. Yeah. All right. That's fair. The other high budget one I would say is like Alien. Alien has been coming out with movies that like since Prometheus and yeah, but like Covenant. Alien's been around for fucking sixty years anyway. (laughs) That's true. That's true. Speaking of Ridley Scott, (laughs) what's that? Oh, because he did Alien. That was a Ridley Scott joke. I said, speaking of Ridley Scott, literally speaking of Ridley Scott. Wait, before I forget, anyway, uh, I finished Loki yeah, today. Do your do your bit. How you finished it? Oh yeah, cuz wait, so is that the last episode that came out today? Yeah, episode 6. Okay, I haven't annoying? watched it yet. So we can talk about it next time. I literally haven't watched the last one cuz I was watching other movies today. That's fair. It's okay. I apologize. I, I don't know. It's okay. That you those are your feelings about Loki right now? I actually really like it. Like yeah, a lot. okay. Because I, like, I, I think you were saying earlier, we, he messaged he messaged like a chat that I was in, and Hashim was saying that this was his favorite Marvel production, probably. Yeah, so far in like I, recent I, history, I like it a lot. I think the last episode didn't hit as hard as I wanted it to, if I'm being honest. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't want to mm-hmm. say anything because no spoils. Yeah, this is fresh off the presses. We're literally recording this the day it came out. So yeah, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I hope uh, it's good. I'm thing. excited for it. I've been really into it. I still haven't watched that Independence movie that you talked about. America the movie? Oh, my God. Yeah. So there, I've really been watching all the fucking Netflix. Whatever they pump out, I've been pretty much consuming. Just hooking it up to my mouth. I really haven't been doing anything other than watching Netflix for the past week, pretty much. I respect that. Yeah. <laughs> and that America the Motion Picture was a pick that I recommended Hashem watch just because I wanted to see his reaction to it. And uh, if anybody's seen angry, it, so <laughs> yeah, if anybody's seen it, you'll know why because it's a, uh, it's it's a uh, it's interesting, definitely give unique. Me, give me, give me, I a taste. enjoyed it. Give me a taste. Give you a taste. Well, uh, it's kind of like, like. Like, the story of it is supposed to be this retelling of the founding of America, but obviously heavily faked and, like, kind of edgy and gross and weird. Like, there's this bit where, like... Like Tom McFarland's edgy? A little bit, kind of. It's very gory and stuff. But it's like, there's uh, Benedict Arnold's in it, and he's a big enemy, and he's a werewolf, which you find out right at the beginning... And then Respect. in all his rage after Lincoln gets killed at like Lincoln gets killed when him and Washington are bromancing over each other. Washington swears to avenge him and gets so angry. He produces chainsaws from his hands and it's like all <laughs> animated and over the top. And it's like they like there's a whole plot point in the movie about how they have to find the Gettysburg address because there's an address in Gettysburg that they're trying to get to. And Lincoln put it in code in one of his speeches. And it's like, it's it's way funny. And I, I enjoyed it for what it was. But I just wonder if you're going to have a different take on it. Because it's like, like the eagle 
that represents America is fully white and then an explosion blows up a house and the ash covers the bottom half of the eagle and it cacaws and it looks like the bald eagle where like the bottom of it's kind of brown I'm black. I'm so hyped. You know I can't I mean? wait. I feel you. <laughs> I mean, listen. It's just really over the top. We've been watching the Transformers movies, right? So mm-hmm. like those are. Yeah, we love. So we love America. We love America. Oh, God, dude. I, 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 it's like. Like, listen, I'm I'm down to joke around everything. I just I'm not enjoying those movies. I really am. It like watching them <laughs> is genuinely a fucking chore. <laughs> well, we only have the fifth and Bumblebee, Bumblebee left to go, so we're we're pretty much in the home stretch. I think even Jordine's regretting her choices of saying she liked them and wanted to watch them, because uh, I don't know. I'm just interested to hear her takes for the episode. That'll be fun. Literally. You know what? I just want Jordine to walk back on her words. That's it. <laughs> I just want her to apologize for. I just want her to apologize to me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, do you want yeah. to talk about Blade Runner? Let's talk about Blade Runner. All right. So, uh, spoiler-free review. What did you think, man? I I liked it a lot. I I thought it was I thought it was really good. I think, um. Knowing how old it is, and then like watching other like cyberpunk movies, you mm-hmm. recognize basically how all of it is kind of like ripping it off. Ripping off is a, is the wrong word, I think. You know, you get what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like, there's a lot of kind of just world building that's done in this movie I that love you it. can recognize as being the grandfather of this sort of thing. Yeah, and I think you can take it for granted watching things like Tron. And seeing, like, the bar scene in Tron Legacy or whatever. And, like, looking at that aesthetic and kind of not seeing of what where it came from. Like, this whole party cyberpunk sort of look. Um, Everything from Cyberpunk 2077. All of that is kind of feels like it was born in this movie. So, I I don't know if I would... I'll be honest. I don't know if I would classify Tron as the same genre. Um, I was thinking more like Total Recall like Minority Report, movies like that. Because I feel like Tron is is very, very much sci-fi. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, it is. But, like, the the thing in Tron Legacy that it did different was, like, Tron was sci-fi and looked like shit and everything was kind of square and boxy because that's what the technology they had. But Tron Legacy kind of took a more, like, trench coat, neon, tall cities sort of look that I I say comes... From Blade Runner. Like, not necessarily, like, obviously the grid and all that stuff is very unique and designed by Tron. Like, it's not completely lifted. No, no, I know. Just for an example. Yeah, like, Total Recall, absolutely. Total Recall, some of, like, the aesthetic of the city in general. Like, even uh, Dread, Judge Dread, that sort yeah. of neon, yeah. Robocop. I don't know. Robocop, yeah, all, all of that you could see as having, like, been influenced by what Blade Runner did. And I kind of appreciate that. I was going to say the other reason why I like it so much is because I'm a big fan of class consciousness. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And I feel like okay. the cyberpunk genre is all about that shit. You know? <laughs> yeah. Which I just I, I would fucking say lap up, bro. A little bit. This movie didn't have as much of it as I think maybe others do. Like when I watch shit like Altered Carbon, like okay. that definitely has class consciousness as like front and center like you either are rich or you are poor but i feel like blade runner had a like blade runner was mainly talking about 
what it means to be a person in society or be valued as a person in society. Interesting. You know what I mean? Okay. And I, I get the nature mean. of like what human life is and what's considered a tool with the replicants. Yeah. So I don't know. A, a little different, but still the same sort of energy. I, I'll, like I, I have, I have of... thoughts. I'll elaborate. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go for it. No, no. Like when we get into the spoiler review. Okay, okay. Sure, yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah. But um, you, first the other thoughts. thing I think, yeah, first first thoughts. I, I really like the look of it, obviously, because I think the cyberpunk aesthetic is very cool. Mm-hmm. But I think you have to recognize that it's a little, like, indulgent at times. Because it was so novel and new for the audiences that were watching it at the time, they have a lot of grandiose scenes of kind of, like, neon skyscrapers and stuff that you watching a movie in 2021 might take for granted as being not that impressive because we have yeah. movies every other fucking week that mean. come out with crazy sci-fi going on in the background. I, so, I will say, I, sorry, uh, on, of the same vein, I do think the establishing shots for locations always dragged on a little bit. Yeah. And in even just some of the like moments of kind of like pauses in the movie, felt like sometimes that they were just kind of dragging like nothing would be happening like there's a whole scene where they're kind of um i don't i don't know if this counts as spoilers not really because if you've watched a movie before with cops in it they've done that enhanced <laughs> shit right and there's a scene right. that goes on for about like four <laughs> minutes where Deckard, the main character is just enhancing on a single thing and i'm like it sounds cool and it looks cool but looking back on it with like a modern lens it feels like a little too indulgent in the fact that you made this cool thing like it didn't need this much screen time and i think it was a little detracting in some ways but honestly i think you have to watch these things with context and recognize that this movie was great and influential for its time Mm -hmm. especially with how it looks and the kind of uniqueness of the world i don't know i liked it a lot i liked it a lot too it's just really good Mm -hmm. it's also like What's really weird is um, I think Ridley Scott set out to just make a film noir, right? Mm-hmm. That's why everybody's always fucking smoking. That's why the main dude, like, Deckard is always drinking. And it's essentially just – literally, it's just a uh, a detective movie, like you said, right? Mm-hmm. But I think yeah. the the thing that elevates it above any of that is the setting. Because, like, it's still relatively, you know, it's pretty standard for right. a noir movie. I think I think I agree with you because I, I remember looking back on when I watched Blade Runner the first time that it really wasn't what I was expecting. I think when you think of cyberpunk, you think of a certain aesthetic. I mean, even mm. just, like, the existence of Cyberpunk 2077 and that Johnny Silverstein whatever thing that keanu reeves is like sunglasses and metal arm and cybernetics and stuff seem like what you would establish with a cyberpunk setting right yeah total recall with the three boobed alien right yeah everything is sexy everything is everything is metal all that right um everything cybernetic doesn't yeah right but this movie doesn't have that same vibe this is almost closer to a sort of the thing like the movie we watched last week. Yeah, where it's like literally just asking questions about how to prove you're human and what being human means. And yeah. The setting being cyberpunk is just part of the world that makes it very interesting, but not necessarily important. 
You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know. It, that's yeah. what I'm saying. Like, it doesn't... I honestly don't think that the story is, is that special. I mean, like... Yeah. Like, sub subtext... I, I, it's and, not... It's yeah. It's not unique to the setting. No, it's not. Absolutely saying, not. Right? That's that's kind of where I was coming from, too, that I felt like it wasn't underutilized. I wouldn't say that because I, they definitely explored the setting well, right? But I would say that it's like the story itself doesn't feel uniquely fitted for cyberpunk. No. And I, but, you know what? I actually kind of like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's it sounds like a negative, but it's definitely in p- positive in my eyes. Yeah, because I think that makes a sort of timeless philosophical story. Yeah, that isn't absolutely. just dependent on kind of anim- not animation, CGI, and special effects, which like Terminator, or RoboCop, or any of those. Yeah, RoboCop is bad. I'm just gonna put that out there right now. And if you like RoboCop, I hate you. <laughs> I've never seen RoboCop, so maybe Good. one day. <laughs> <laughs> all right do you want to get into spoilers let's do it cool uh so we watched this movie and did you happen to look up what the endings were if you watched the theatrical version do you know about this whole thing no i i know that remember because uh, i remember last time i just looked it up while we were recording and it's yeah. like there's seven different ones but i don't know i know the difference between uh the director's cut has yeah. him and Rachel flying into the sunset or some shit like that? Maybe yeah, not. Maybe it's not that one. No, no, no. Okay, so it's not the director's cut. Um, from what I saw, there's only like three major ones, at least. Mm-hmm. And the three are theatrical, directors, and final cut, mm-hmm. right? The theatrical one is the one that people say don't watch. And unless you really are a fan of seeing it for historical purposes, like movie history, film history stuff, Mm-hmm. Um, it has the voiceovers all throughout yeah, the movie okay. explaining Deckard's thoughts and the ending after they get in the elevator it cuts to them on a road and the voiceover is explaining that Rachel doesn't have the same expiry that all the other replicants had so she'll live indefinitely and they drive off into the sunset and credits play over stock footage of mountains <laughs> hell like yeah baby note. yo that's that happy ending right there <laughs> brother <laughs> yeah which just does not fit the tone at all does not make sense they drove away from all the cyberpunkness they were in the mountains and it was like modern day and it looked weird and it was just it didn't fit what the movie was going for and i think that's why every like the director's cut was made and why the the final cut is a thing you know i i don't know i i don't know how i feel about this whole cuts thing you know what i mean mm-hmm like I yes. understand, I understand that uh, the distribution studio and production and all of them, and the producers have mm-hmm. a say on it. But it's like, if you hire a screenwriter and if you hire a director and they have a specific vision for a movie, especially a movie like yeah. this one where it's basically a, like a new IP. Like from my understanding, mm-hmm. it doesn't exactly adapt to the book that it's based off of. Like give yeah. them free reign because if they don't like the movie, or if they how do I say this? If the audience doesn't like the movie, then you just know not to hire them again. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Yeah. I don't know. Like, I, I think I agree with what you're saying. Uh, I did watch this great video about this. It was like this 40 minute H bomber guy video mm-hmm. about the merit of cutting based on director's cuts, final cuts, whatever. 
okay. and how common they are and whatever. And it was just like a question of whether or not they needed to exist. And yes, like the studio has influence ultimately on the picture because they're the ones putting money into it. And I understand that. And the concept of a director's cut feels intuitively like the better way to watch most movies because you think of it as how the art artistic kind of influence really saw the movie right but there was an interesting discussion about whether or not like it gives like directors this unique concept in film that they can just overwrite their mistakes and correct things based on what they want in the present even if the movie was made however many years before right Mm, like the final cut from blade runner coming out in 2007 correcting cgi that was done back in 1982 yeah and like yeah it's just weird that like the art doesn't become stagnant anymore like da vinci finished his painting and that was it that like any mistakes there that's the painting right but with giving director's cuts and final cuts and second director's cuts or unrated versions or whatever you allow for like an updated and edited and modernized version of the film which mm. kind of just makes it so that they never get finished. They're kind of just always perpetual works of art being chipped away at over all these different releases. As I like to call it, the George Lucas approach to filmmaking. I you know? fucking hate... You know what it is? <laughs> I'm, I'm starting to recognize that, like... I mean, I, I feel like Justice League is, is its own thing because you have fundamentally two artistic visions for the movie, right? Yeah. You have Joss Whedon and you have Mr. Schneider. That's fine. Like I, I, <laughs> yeah. I get that one. I, I, I'm fully on board with releasing it, you know, as he intended. But like there's been like a fucking how many is it? Three cuts? Three or four cuts of mm. each Star Wars movie? Yeah. And and you know, Blade Runner and I'm pretty sure there's a couple of different cuts for one of the Terminator movies. I don't know if it's the first or the second one. Mm-hmm. So what I'm noticing is that this is just a fucking <laughs> this is just an eighties movie thing. <laughs> <laughs> it really is just like a as you get the ability to update these things should you be allowed to and george lucas's thing is always yes like yeah han shot first now yeah we needed that cgi alien yeah job of the hut wasn't a mistake like all these things come after the fact and like looking back on your work and thinking that you know i can improve it with this and i don't know mm, i don't know if that has i merit. don't know man i don't know if i like that yeah, right? That's what I'm saying. So I, I feel like there is something to creating. We talked about it once in another episode, but creating art within restraints or constraints can lead to better art, like we with clerks. And yeah, yeah, we did. Where the black and white was like right? a like a limitation, but it mm-hmm. came off as like an aesthetic choice. Right? So it's not necessarily better for Jaws to necessarily have a CGI shark even if the technology came into play and even if the director wanted it that way, like Steven Spielberg thought about it after, like maybe there is something to the artistic value of being constrained and seeing what comes out of it. I don't know. I still think this is a good movie. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's not to take away from this movie, but I just think the concept of a final cut is interesting. And also it's stupid because the director's cut had no influence from Ridley Scott, the director. It was, again, studio talking to Ridley Scott, having a second director do the cutting and changing. The director's cut? For the record, yeah, yeah. Okay. A a second director came in and looked at it. But for the record, from what I understand is that he almost nailed it. Like, Ridley Scott still said there was a few things he would change, but he 
got rid of the voiceovers, changed the ending, all that. And I think, I think the director's cut is the one that reinserted the dream with the unicorn. Oh yeah. One? Yeah. Which was an important question to pose at the end of the movie that was gone in the theatrical cut. Like the theatrical cut didn't have anything referencing a unicorn, which made the final origami thing that Gaff Weird. delivers to them pointless. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So mm-hmm. here's, here's, um, there, there's, there's two interpretations to the unicorn, right? And I, and you're yeah. absolutely right. The, the dream sequence changes what it means right yeah so, so the do you first... want to just explain what that whole thing is yeah, yeah. okay so Who, one of the characters the unicorns and what the dream sequence is and all that yeah okay so one of the characters gaff um always yeah. taunts deckard the main character by making like small origami origami like objects right so at yeah. the start of the movie deckard is like i don't want to build or i don't want to go chase them so he makes an origami chicken to show that he's like a coward and then when he's talking about Rachel, he makes a, like a little small man to show it's like, oh, you're you're interested in her, right? But then at the end of the movie, he makes a small unicorn right as Deckard and Rachel are coming out of the apartment. Um, mm-hmm. If you haven't watched the movie, these names and these things mean absolutely jack shit to you. So genuinely, I recommend yeah. you watch it. <laughs> it's it's fine. You're pretty much you've got it so far. I okay. Think. Okay. Um, now the unicorn means two things. So. If there's no dream sequence, because I know that that's the big one, right? Yeah. And I watched the video on yeah. this. This is not my own. Uh, <laughs> this is not my own idea. Now, from my interpretation yeah. for the final cut, what the unicorn says is that Deckard is a replicant, right? Yeah, but uh, yeah, it's like implying it in a way. Yeah, because how would he know what? How would Gaff know what Deckard has been dreaming, right? Yeah, so literally, like, to explain that part, right, halfway through the movie, Deckard has a dream just while he's thinking about the case, and he dreams just of a unicorn running towards the camera. And it yeah. doesn't make any sense, and it's hard cut back to the scene when he wakes up, and it isn't explained or anything like that. Yeah. So it's just a dream that your main character's been having, but part of Blade Runner is they talk about how the replicants, to make them seem more human, especially with Rachel, um, they implanted memories from different humans into them. So Mm -hmm. like memories Rachel thought she was having was actually the creator's niece. Yeah. I think it was just Rachel. Like the other replicants didn't have that. Yeah. Yeah. Rachel. Rachel's like the newer whatever type. Yeah. They're trying to humanize her. Yeah. Which is interesting. But I guess the questions posed at the end of it is like when he finds Gaff's unicorn origami, like did he just make a unicorn for no random reason or did he make it because he's referencing the fact that I you're a replicant like I have access to your dreams because they're not actually your dreams I'm part yeah. of, I work for the company that inserted them into your head and it's like does that mean that Deckard shouldn't value his life as much like no by the end of the movie he's clearly like values Rachel as a person and not mm-hmm. as just a replicant so yeah it's just interesting questions to ask whether if your main character you've been watching this whole time kill replicants is one the entire time um, the, the, the thing that I watched was that, um, without the dream sequence, it, it essentially means that Gaff was going to be hunting Rachel for the whole time because in mythology, uh, a unicorn is supposed is something that's like pure and like unsullied, which is what Rachel is supposed to mean. But 
they're always notoriously hunted, right? So it's essentially his way of saying, it's like, I'll give you a head start, but I'm going to be fucking looking for you guys. Yeah, and that's true. They kept the voiceover from him when he when Deckard picks up the unicorn. You can hear Gaff saying, like, I'm going to, like, you know, I'm going to hunt her down. Like, mm-hmm. you're not going to get away. Like, you you don't have to kill her. You, the, you know, Blade Runner, don't have to kill this replicant, but I will kill her. I will find her. So, yeah, you're probably right. What a good but movie. I do. Th- it, it is really, it, like, it, it's so, the questions it poses about what are humans and what that, that like, I think it's not, it, it's not super deep, though. And I think that part always bothers me because in my head, humans at least you know modern day humans maybe the future maybe the cyberpunk city changed shit but modern day humans are affectionate for fucking everything dogs inanimate objects cartoon characters whatever right so it's like it's very hard to believe that you'd make a complete race of people that bleed that like are literal human and flesh and bone but they're artificially created called replicants and enslave them with no moral quandaries about it Okay, so I think that's always been a hard pill for me to swallow. Okay, here here's I 100% agree with you. And these are yeah. the issues I'm I'm bringing in a fucking oldie over here. This is the issues that I had with uh, Detroit Become Human. Like mm-hmm. where I was like mm-hmm. I don't understand how like any relatively normal person, relatively functioning person can can buy a robot that looks virtually identical to humans and be like, "Oh yeah, I can just beat the fuck out of it whenever I want. You know what I'm right? saying? Like, I don't think, yeah, it's it's like a broken person thing to not have that level of empathy for something that so okay. clearly resembles a human. But like, here's here's my that. here's my counterpoint. Like, mm-hmm. slavery existed in history. You know what I'm saying? That's true. Not not even. Yeah. I'm not even talking about like the Atlantic stri- slave trade. I'm talking about like in Rome. And, like, in ancient cultures, they enslaved people that looked exactly like them. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And it's, like... It's true. There there had to be a justification back then. So who the fuck am I to, like... I'm not saying the justification you're is good. Don't get me wrong. Right. You know? Like, you're, you're not wrong. I just think it's so... Like, that, that one single stepping stone has always been so hard for me to swallow. Like, the level of disbelief I need to have with the world that, like because uh, the thing is is that Deckard is supposed to be relatable right and you can see him having moments of empathy where he like shoots that running away um, Zora burlesque dancer Zora, yeah Zara or whatever Zora yeah uh, when she dies he has this moment of like reflection and he's looking at her body and feeling gross and then talks to the police chief after and he's commending him and he doesn't feel comfortable with any of that and like you could see the empathy there right but yeah, he has to go get a drink. Deckard, yeah, right? But you also know that Deckard is notoriously the most popular Blade Runner or most successful Blade Runner, having killed maybe hundreds, maybe tens, dozens of replicants before this. Yeah. So it's like, what is it? I, I don't so, get it. I don't know. I think... I don't want to get into theory, <laughs> but I think... No, go for it. Go for um, it. Okay, okay. There's an underlying, like, notion um, that people will accept the work that they think they're best suited for, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think Deckard believes that he's a very good Blade Runner, right? Mm-hmm. 
That's why he's willing to do the things that he does and he's willing to live with himself for it. But I don't think that he actually does live with himself for it. He is constantly miserable throughout the entirety of the movie. Um, yeah. And he's always drinking. Every every scene we see him in, is, is he's basically drinking. And the only time we ever see him actually order alcohol is after he kills Zora. Right? Mm-hmm. The other thing yeah. was, I, I think he views it as like out of his control, which is why the scene right after with Rachel is him trying to assert control over her, which is kind of fucked up, but like, yeah, I thought, I thought that whole weird sex scene thing was kind of uncomfortable. Like very I, uncomfortable. I felt like he was, I didn't like that at all at all. And I think like, it looks like he borderline assaulted her. Yeah. Rachel. He, he did. He did. And he, yeah. It was just, I didn't, didn't like that at all, but I do get what you mean. Like, I yeah. think Rachel does have a large influence over it. Even if I don't, it doesn't really come across on screen because like you see the starting scene where, you know, Deckard is literally sent out to go kill these four replicants. And the first time he shows up in front of um, what's the creator's name? Uh, Al Tyrell. Yeah. Ty- yeah. Dr. Tyrell. He's like, OK, uh, I have this test, this VK test. Uh, and he's like, give it to this girl. And she's the replicant. And when they discuss the fact that she failed the test after 100 or whatever, even I think, or no, not before, not after the test. Before the test, he says like, "Yeah, replicants are just machines. I don't mind killing machines. Like they stop serving their functions, so I don't mind getting rid of them. Mm-hmm. You'd get rid of anything else that didn't serve its function." But like, he gains that empathy over the course of the movie because he had that human to human interaction with Rachel, and obviously found out in the next ten minutes afterwards that she was a replicant. So, this I don't know. movie. Okay, what what do you think is like the biggest like question that it poses? Because I do think it's posing a question. I I think like honestly, I don't care for that question of whether or not these human lookalikes deserve rights or character. No, or no, no. I don't I don't even, I'm not even talking on a legislative level. I'm saying like okay, my my for example, I think this is asking a question about what makes you an individual. That's what I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, but I'm saying, I'm agreeing with that, right? Like, I'm saying, I don't think that that question of whether an artificial being deserves personhood is even, like, up for debate. Like, dogs deserve personhood, and they couldn't have a conscious thought if they tried, right? Like, we respect certain things out of this level of empathy, and it's, like, weird when you bring up things like farming or whatever, but this is clear evidence of slavery. Like, this is conscious beings having, being enslaved. So, I, I couldn't... I couldn't say that that was the most interesting question. What I do think, though, is that Roy's final speech about, like, memories fading like tears in the rain, like, that kind of sums up what I think is a better question to be posing about, like, just how you can think that Roy is this psychotic sort of off-hinge machine that seems to be, like, playing with his food killing Deckard at the end or almost killing Deckard at the end. Mm-hmm. But it's justified because he has seen things that you will never see. The audience will never see. And as soon as he's gone, that part of history is just erased from existence, like tears in the rain or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's a much more interesting question to pose, like whether or not like, 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 I guess, an expanded version of empathy, like understanding that the person who you can hate 
or have ulterior motives for has their own reason for doing all this shit as well. I don't know. I I just think that monologue. I actually at the end I is think really I powerful. agree with you. I, I I'll I I think okay. I absolutely agree with you on the empathy thing because of the entirety of that last scene, right? With yeah. him and Deckard. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, he throughout... literally doesn't kill Deckard because of it. He's no, 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 been no, no. I'm not talking about. Time, I'm but... not talking about just killing Deckard. I'm talking about the juxtaposed between both of their characters throughout that entire scene, right? Okay. So, Deckard is hunting all of them the entire movie, and at the end, he's the one being hunted by Roy, right? Yeah. And also, yeah, a, an actual physical parallel between them is that they both have injured hands. Right, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like yeah, like true. Deckard breaks his his fingers. Roy breaks his fingers, and Roy's body is malfunctioning, so he can't open his right hand anymore. That's so true. Yeah, oh and I I think the the answer to the empathy question is that you don't have to be human to have empathy because if Deckard was given the choice, he would have killed Roy, but Roy chose not to kill him. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. It's like this bigger person thing. Like I, I recognize that this is the first time now that you feel the fear that we replicants feel yeah. fear, feel constantly. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, what a good scene! And, what a good movie. <laughs> that's yeah, right. Like it, it, it's really it builds up so well. But there are just like this is kind of getting out from the whole philosophical thing we're talking about this whole time. Like mm-hmm. concept wise, movie's great. What it talks about and what it discusses is interesting, right? Sometimes, though, it's goofy as fuck. And I, <laughs> I can't get over the old sci-fi shit of, like, Roy putting his head through the bathroom mirror. Like, that <laughs> just, like, doesn't work. Or or the whole um, his love interest, uh, Pris, uh, doing when all her When she was shaking around. Yeah. And shit, yeah, and convulsing. Like, all that, still weird. Still odd to me. Yeah. I agree. The, All the I think JF the funniest... Sebastian stuff with like her kind of seducing him and getting into the house with him, like all that weird. I didn't like it. But yeah. I don't know. I'm, I'm, and that, sorry, go for it. No, I was going to say like, I, I, I do think those things definitely detract from the movie, but I, I don't like, I'm perfectly fine with them there. To be honest with you, I think it's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> It definitely is funny, like, but it does stand out, doesn't it? It does absolutely seem does a hundred percent. It does just because of how clean and kind of calculated and scary—not scary, but like menacing—the rest of the movie kind of seems. Yeah, like the world's out to get you. It's all dangerous. These guns look really cool, and they blast like cannons, right? But then when the replicants attack, it's like fucking teenage mutant ninja turtles levels of camp. And you I know don't what? Understand it. It is a little bit unnerving. Like, yeah, I, I, I think yeah. when when he... Uh, Pris flipping around and shit, yeah, like, I'm not going to give that any credit. That thing is just fucking hilarious to watch. But when he shoots yeah, her and right. she, like, starts, like, convulging on the ground, like, I genuinely was uncomfortable watching it. You know what I mean? That's true, right? It does make you... Like, it, you look at that and you think that that's horrific. Yeah. And, like, the, like what he just did was criminal. Like, what Harrison... or. Deckard just did yeah. was like, yeah, yeah. I like this movie. I, know. <laughs> I like this movie. I like this movie a lot. But I think that I do want to mention these two things. Like, so that one, like this whole 
sci-fi-ness of it or kind of weird bits where the replicants act funny yeah. i think throws me off a bit it's got like fifth element vibes of like i wasn't expecting <laughs> it and so it kind of puts me off okay um but the other part i think is that i mentioned it a bit and when we were discussing like before spoilers but i mm-hmm. think the movie is pretty slow very slow is. I understand that it's building a lot of tension and it leaves moments for you to think about what you just watched and a lot of, you know, setting, establishing shots and stuff like that to really take in the night, like the aesthetic of the city. But like, it's a lot. It's, it's two hours. And I think honestly, there's not a lot of dialogue in there to fit the two hours and not a lot of action either. It's just a lot of kind of pensive thought. Yeah. I don't know. So, Sorry, because I I feel like I forgot to mention it before. When I when I meant like, what makes someone human or what constitutes individuality, I meant like, like a study on memories, if that makes sense. Because uh, can you expand on that? What do you yeah, mean? yeah. So the only the only reason why Deckard is okay with killing the machines and why Tyrell. Uh, classifies them as not being fully human is because they don't have the same experiences, right? Yeah. Which is why he says that they're experimenting with Rachel and they're giving her memories to act as as an emotional cushion, right? But even mm-hmm. at the end, the the whole thing about uh, what's the guy's name, Roy, and how his existence, yeah. while it may be brief, he still experienced things too, right? Which is why I think the last scene hits just a little bit harder too because you recognize that it doesn't matter how brief the experiences are. As long as you have memories, it constitutes individuality. Right. Yeah. And and like it makes up such a unique part of like regardless of if you have memories from years ago. Yeah. Right. The the past four years or whatever, however long they live, is so immediate and they've seen so many beautiful things that you can't take away from them. Nor mm. can you experience yourself, right? You as a human don't get all the views of an android and yours or anything like that, right? And that just lends more validation to the fact that they're conscious beings. And the fact that they're conscious makes it like the the idea of slavery so hard to stomach. And that's why, I don't know, does yeah, I agree. Though. I get you. I get you. Mem- memories are a significant part of that, and I, I I think that was a really cool concept to touch on, and I think that's why the little unicorn bit kind of lets you or gives the audience kind of a reason to ponder on whether or not Deckard is a replicant. Yeah, and what that implies throughout the rest of the movie, literally because the concept of your memories being taken away or being artificialized is something that you would never be able to validate or not validate. And I don't know. I also interesting question. This is a personal thing, but I also don't think it detracts from it. Right. Like, I I don't think even if Deckard's memories were implanted, he still has his own individual experiences outside of it. Right. Mm hmm. So, like, I think, I don't know. Oh, go for it. Sorry. I was just going to say, like, even if you had somebody that had, like, the same identical memories as him for 20 years, but the last five years were different, that still constitutes a big enough difference, in my opinion, to give them different individuals, like, to make them different individuals. Yeah, like, I, I agree with what you're saying, but I also think that there's part of it that's, like, the the kind of spooky thought about it is that, 
Decker doesn't know that he's not human, and neither did Rachel, right? So if Deckard was a replicant, let's say, for example, like you wake up every morning thinking one thing and believing one thing because of memories that you can't validate are real. And there's there's no quantifiable way of looking at that. So the I think the chilling part to think about is just that you can't validate that those experiences you just had are real even from when you wake up in the morning you can't validate that the ones you had yesterday are real because it's so ephemeral and it's gone already and all you have now are the memories so while i agree that everything you can do with your real body in the present time makes you an individual right i i do think that the question that i find more interesting is when do those memories start and your present actions end or vice versa like what constitutes me in the present versus me just acting a certain way because of memories that were implanted last night you know i don't know it's it's i see confusing and so it's like like how how much do those memories influence your actions yeah it's a bit it's a bit fucky because it's like i guess the kind of cooler thought is like how do you know that you hashim al-momani how do we know that you're not a replicant you know i mean i might be bro <laughs> yeah, right like you only have your experiences to go off of and if we pose that they could be implanted then what <laughs> like how do you know what your experiences are everything is so ephemeral and it all goes away so quickly and like i don't know who knows fuck dude we could all be robots right now god damn it this is uh this is fucking with me a little bit <laughs> <laughs> I like movies like yeah. this. I like when it's like, you know, you got to think about them a little Ambigu- bit. Ambiguous endings are really nice. I appreciate them a lot. Same. <laughs> All right. Uh, do you want to rate it? Uh, wait, very quickly. What do you think of the eyes? Yes. Oh, the imagery of the eyes. I don't know. Like, I, I, I don't think I fully understood it. Okay. Wh- Here's my, like... Thoughts? Here, my my take is like they focus too much on the eyes during the movie for it not to mean anything. You know what oh, I mean? Absolutely. Like you're yeah. definitely right that it means something. I just couldn't <laughs> really put it to words what I think it means. Um, I I honestly think it it's it's kind of like it's weird because I want to say it's like the eyes are a reflection of the soul. But also, Roy. <laughs> you spent, sound like Jaden Smith. <laughs> yeah, literally. I, I like this is like faux deep shit. But it's like Roy spends a lot of the of the movie saying about how his experiences are because of what he sees, right? Yeah. And so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's also like the replicant's eyes are literally reflectant, reflective. Yeah, and you don't even realize that until later on in the movie. Like yeah, they spell it out for you later on. But even earlier, during the first VK interview with Rachel, she has reflective eyes. You just don't really pick up on it until they kind of show it off with the owl and with uh, uh, what's her name, Pris. Yeah, dancing around the apartment. Like, I I definitely agree that the eyes mean something. I'm just not sure how. Like, I get the idea of you being able to experience something with your eyes and nobody else being able to share that. But why they needed to kill that eye maker or that eye surgeon or whatever, I don't understand any of that. Wait, they didn't kill the eye surgeon, did they? 
Didn't they? Where they like unplugged him from the machine? No, they didn't unplug him. He was just in a cold room and they ripped his jacket. Uh, well, I think it's implied. At least to me, it was implied that they hurt him or killed. They him. probably killed him. Also, he the way he kills Tyrell is by stabbing him through the fucking eyes. Yeah, yeah. Like it's definitely a th- present theme in the movie. I just couldn't. I- I'm sure we can find a good article online that'll explain <laughs> what that means. Yeah, bro. We I don't have shit. thoughts. I just watch H Bomber guys. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's just interesting. I-, I think what you're saying though about Tears in the Rain, that whole ending bit, seeing things with your eyes, being valid memories. Like I think that probably is a lot to do with it. Yeah. Yeah. So ratings what do you want to rate it dude origami uh, bits yeah we origami gotta do a uni- origami unicorns origami unicorns what do you want to rate it i think i'm gonna give it a 10 out of 12 origami unicorns 10 damn i liked That's it a high lot praise from hasha good good i'm gonna give it nine and not because i want to be less than you like every other time uh no you do you I do, do you're a that- harsher critic no <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a harsher critic. I'm just harsher on old movies. I think that there are goofy bits that I didn't like, and there is like weird time spent in pr- places I didn't think it needed to be spent, and I felt like it dragged a bit. Not to say mm. it wasn't worth it. Like it was establishing and great for its time. I have to qualify all these statements, but you know, nine out of twelve is very good. That's all. Seventy-five percent. You're giving it a seventy-five. Say some shit. Say some shit. <laughs> nine is good. Nine is nine is great, actually. Nine is excellent. Wow. Right. I'm so proud of Blade Runner for getting nine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> cool. So you want to hit me with your recommendation, dude? Okay. So I'm 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 conflicted between three different movies. My main pick uh-huh. right now is another fucking eighties movie, so I don't want to pick it. No, nah, why not? Because it's like we've been on an eighties binge for like four episodes now. You know what I mean? Like we did We're this. Do Transformers eventually. That'll be breaking up the monotony. I guess so. Although we also did Arrival. You know what? Fuck it. Was, Let's do it. Yeah. Um, I want to watch The Breakfast Club. Ooh. Okay. That's a different vibe. That's yeah. a very different vibe. Yeah. I'm into it though. Very, very okay. like low key. I don't want to. I don't want to. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm definitely gonna fucking psychoanalyze the shit out of it, but like. It's going to be spelled out for us. They're going to be talking. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait to watch a bunch of teenagers make me feel like a loser in present day. Oh, I can't wait, dude. <laughs> Jude Law's great. All right. Jude Law? Jude Nelson? I don't know. Something like that. So yeah. uh, if you listen this far, you must like us some bit amount, some small amount. In some so, capacity. Uh, follow us on Twitter. You can follow Hashem at the hash, me at Lee and her. And our editor at Default Bird, and uh, she also has an Etsy store. You should check out Blue Moon Paper if yeah. you want to buy little stickers and scrunchies and whatnot. I highly recommend you buy a scrunchie, leave her a five star rating, but then in the comments say that you hate Transformers just to get back at her. <laughs> yeah, that'll be a little hit, hint from the podcast <laughs> that you you listen and that you you know you know what's up. Yeah, all good vibes, but you hate Transformers. Yeah. Yeah. And if you want to, you know, be included in next week's episode and really understand what we're talking about, you should watch The Breakfast Club. Also, I think we're running out of ideas. So if you guys have niche movies that neither of us have heard of, send that shit our way. 
yeah, you know, we've expired all the movies ever, so we're really out of ideas. But. Yeah. <laughs> Bro, For real, this is our third 80s movie. Anything, Come on. <laughs> Don't worry, dude. I still have plenty to go. I, I have so many recommendations I can give. All right, Pat. Um, but they're not going to be good. I just have them. Hey, man, listen, you made me watch the Emoji movie. I don't think anything is worse than that. (laughs) That's fair. Honestly, that's fair. Yeah. Uh, So, yeah, follow us at JumpCut.fm for our podcast tweets and uh, JumpCut.fm for our website. Yeah. And uh, leave us a five-star rating everywhere for all time, everywhere you listen. Thank you. Find it. Five stars. Thank you. Even if it's out of ten, five stars. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, thanks and for listening. Yeah, uh, it's, it's been real. It's been real. <laughs>